Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Well, I had a lot of good things to say about the L.A. studios. I got to tell you, up until about five minutes ago, I was just singing the praises of how great it is to be back in Sirius XM's Los Angeles studios. It's a beautiful thing. I love it here. The architecture, the, the foliage, it's great, the staff. And then suddenly I'm using a set of headphones that only works in in one ear. So I'm going to be doing the whole show at a 45 degree angle tonight. And I'm so, oh wait, Russell, thank you. Russell is here. Wow. Whoa. Chris, I make one complaint, and right away, Russell has a brand spanking new headphones where both cans work. It's mm-hmm. It's got to be strange for you to hear to hear how helpful they are here, as opposed to other SiriusXM wonderful it studios. No, it, seems, it seems very helpful. I mean, I will say, though, you did make that single complaint into a national live microphone. So I oh, like... uh, but no, that, we're, we're not live yet, right? This is I mean, this isn't the part. You might as well. Have, you might as well have thrown a, a salad at him or something. Oh, that's where the red light is here. That's why I didn't know. Okay, well then we can erase all this and just start over, right? Good evening and welcome to Sirius XM. I know because seriously, I was just going to start talking about the people in HR who were ruining this whole place, but I'll save that for later. Hey, welcome! It's so good to have you with us. We are broadcasting live from the Sirius XM studios in Hollywood for the first time since. Well, let's go way back, back through the mist of time to early 2020. Yes, before any of us knew what ivermectin was, before any of us talked about injecting bleach, before any of us were having to learn how to say these words ranging from from uh, mifeprestone. I didn't know that word back then. Uh, back when young Joe Biden was a spry 79-year-old with a couple of votes in his pocket and a dream. It is so great to be back here in the beautiful Sirius XM studios, and we have a great show for you. Great shows all week. We're doing this thing from L.A. all week long. Tonight, I'm so glad you're with us for the next three hours. We're going to be taking your calls and your comments and your questions and your jokes and your veiled threats and your promises of glory at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT is our number. What a lineup we have. Christopher Reddy will be with us shortly. He's a leader in the study of marine pollution and the development of environmentally friendly industrial chemicals. Say that word again because it's fun to say environmentally friendly industrial chemicals. That That's a thing now. But in his amazing new book, Science, Communication, and Crisis, an insider's guide. Christopher Reddy offers hard-won advice from decades on the front line of environmental disasters. And it's all about how scientists and others can better navigate the maze of competing interests during a crisis to deliver trustworthy and actionable 
information. Also, we got a couple of Riff Raff comics joining us. The one, the only, the Emmy winner, one of our favorite guests. We're always thrilled to get Rick Overton when we come out here to L.A. Rick has been in every movie ever made. He goes on a jury ride with uh, Bill Murray in... Um, in a, a, a Groundhog Day. He is the sheriff in Eight-Legged Freaks. Um, he's the little tiny guy along with Kevin Pollock and the original Willow. I mean, Rick can just sit here and tell you all about great Hollywood stories all day. Fortunately for us, he is a comedy genius and a confirmed madman. And I'm very glad to have him back. We'll try to avoid talking about vaccinations. Also, comedian Chris Pinna will be joining us later on in the show in hour number three. Dr. Tracy Pearson is here. No, Dr. Tracy does the show every Tuesday, and it's always on Zoom. Uh, she'll actually be here in person tonight so she can see me in the flesh and be like, oh, ooh. And so that always happens. They they have a good idea of who I am, and then they meet me in person, and they're like, well, your, your personality's nice. So we get through there. Uh, but we are so psyched to be with you. Again, the number is 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. We look forward to hearing from all y'all. Chris Hauselt is our executive producer. He is running this thing from South Carolina. Thea Harper, our producer running this thing from Brooklyn. Russell is valiantly sitting in here. Russell Wolf, yes. His name really is Russell Wolf. He's that cool. My name is German for large apparatus, but his name is Russell Wolf, and he is running this thing. We are broadcasting from three different states, people, and we're so glad you're part of it. Let's do a show. It is 511 days until the 2024 presidential election. It is 257 days until Donald Trump's trial begins. It's 238 days until the Republican Super Tuesday. It is 195 days until Christmas. 47 days until the month we learn if Trump's indicted in the state of Georgia. 17 days until Indiana Jones opens. And zero days until Trump is arraigned in a Florida courtroom. Let's discuss. Let's get to it. Americans are struggling with inflation. But before we get into the important news, let's just say, you, did, did you hear this? Uh, uh, turns out um, gas pump prices down. Grocery stores prices down. If you didn't hear that, it's because you consume American media and they're talking about Donald Trump and his hordes of not quite hordes in Florida. Measured year over year, inflation slowed to just 4% in May. That is the lowest 12-month figure in over two years. Inflation slowed for an 11th straight month last month. Grocery price increases eased again and gas more than reversed the rise we saw in April. Much smaller rise in gro grocery prices, tumbling oil prices and um, less expensive furniture, less expensive airfares and appliances. Uh, it's pretty good. And you won't hear about it in the media at all. <laughs> because again, they'll beat up Joe Biden and cover how they're beating up Joe Biden, right? Let's let's defend old Joe for a minute here. Oh, these gas prices. Oh, this inflation. Oh, baby formula. Oh, supply chain. And the media, because the media is not liberal, the media is terrified of being called liberal, will pile on and cover all of the complaints. And then when things start getting good, well, everyone ignores it. Joe Biden really is like our parents. Um, let's get to this, however, because I got to get to this. There's some confusion before we begin about what happened today in Florida. Uh, Biden is the 46th president. And because of that, we assume that 46 men have served. But we forget Grover Cleveland. Grover Cleveland was our 22nd and our 24th president. People forget he was a he was a large man. Grover Cleveland, very large man, married his ward which is always a tricky thing. He, he, you know, was raising this young woman, used to have those things, wards, and he, he married her. And I mentioned he was a large man. People were terrified that he would crush 
his wife on their wedding night. This was a legitimate concern people had in the news back then. Uh, But Grover Cleveland served four years. They voted him out. And then he ran and came back to office and served again. So so only only 45 people have had the job in history. And it was on this date in 1893 that President Grover Cleveland noticed a rough spot in his mouth. Didn't know what it was. And on July 1st of 1893, he underwent secret surgery on a boat circling Manhattan, a boat on the river going around Manhattan. So no one would know. People just thought the president's taking a pleasure cruise. In reality, Grover Cleveland was having dangerous secret surgery on a boat in 1893 to remove a large cancerous portion of his jaw. They didn't reveal this to the public until 1917, nine years after Grover Cleveland died. But it happened on this date 130 years ago. So again, Grover Cleveland, fabulous guy, but he's the reason why we've only had 45 men serve 46 times. 46 presidents total, 45 men. And they've been indicted, all 45 men, over 46 presidencies. All of them have been indicted on a total of 71 felony counts. Going back to George Washington, here's how it works. George Washington through Barack Obama, zero felony indictments. Joe Biden, Zero felony indictments. In between, you have the reign of the former host of Celebrity Apprentice, 71 felony indictments. First man, first president to be impeached twice. First president to have felony indictments. And let's keep on hoping he still might. He still might have a chance to be the first man to lose the U.S. popular vote three times. Because you got to believe Donald Trump became the first former president to face a judge on federal charges today, not to be confused with the state charges he was indicted on last month. He's going to trial on that next year. Uh, and he pled not guilty in Miami to 71 felony counts that he hoarded classified documents and refused government demands to give them back and lied about it, obstructed justice. <laughs> he turned himself in today. Let's say that again. Hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Donald Trump turned himself in today. It's like porn for the angels, isn't it? I mean, the God's bringing lube. It's porn for the angels and God's got lube. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you, folks. I've been burned out on this guy. I have been so I'm burned out on Donald Trump like like my name could be Tiffany Trump. I'm so sick of this. I mean, like I Melania is more sick of this guy than me. Right. And I I, honestly, I've been telling Chris and Thea, we got to do a lot more pop culture stuff over the summer. We got to do more mental health. We're sick of politics. It's done. It's beautiful. It's so amazing. Last night, we went on a very long rant about the distinctions The very subtle distinctions about how Donald Trump's classified document scandal is very different from Joe Biden's classified document scandal, Mike Pence's and Hillary Clinton's. Namely, Biden, Pence and Hillary Clinton didn't have scandals. They took the shit. They said, oh, my bad. Uh, And the government said, that's okay. We know you didn't mean it. End of story. But Trump pled not guilty today. The first current or former president in history to be prosecuted on federal criminal charges. I just love the guy's out of office three years. He's still making history. He's going to keep on campaigning for the White House as well he should. And every Republican running, every Republican serving will have to give their opinion on how he's doing. No mugshot taken. Don't worry. I'm sure at Mar-a-Lago they're going to fake a mugshot, put it on a T-shirt and get the mouth drooling rubes to buy them up. Republicans are still... I wouldn't say loyal to Trump. I would say they were blindly obedient in the most unmanly and unholy of ways. The more corrupt he gets, the more the base loves him. It's not a cult at all. He's the front runner. 
It's his to blow, and he still might. But he stopped off at Miami's famous Cuban restaurant, Versailles, after he left the courthouse, and he had Walt Nauda with him, the body man, his co-conspirator, who's also indicted. Walt Nauda is the guy that Donald Trump hoodwinked his own lawyer with because he told his lawyer, yeah, okay, we have the documents. They're in the basement. Uh, come by on Tuesday. And then Walt Nauda moved the documents so Donald Trump's own lawyer was sent on a wild goose chase. And that's what he testified to. The gra- When your own lawyer's testifying against you to the grand jury, homeboy, you fucked up. And here's Walt Nauda with him right now showing up. They're fundraising off it. He showed up for a photo op at a famous Cuban restaurant to turn this into a victory. And trust me, you don't have to be like Jake Tapper. Don't let this upset you. Jake Tapper got mad on the news on CNN. He's like, turn this off. He's just he's just using a photo op. Turn it Listen, he's going to do it no matter what. Okay? Have you ever lived with an addict? Have you ever tried to care for an addict? Do you know what it's like with an addict? Well, Donald Trump's high on himself. It's going to be like that. You're not going to get through with reason. But it's kind of beautiful. Here is Corrine Jean-Pierre answering the daily question about, hey, uh, how does Joe Biden really feel about Donald Trump's federal indictment? The president has been very, very clear. The Department of Justice is independent. He wants to restore the independence of, uh, of the Department of Justice. And that's what you've seen. That is why we have been very, very consistent. When it comes to criminal cases, we just do not comment. And they won't. And I'm sorry, Democrats and liberals and progressives and leftists and moderates and just anti-evil people. Democrats are going to be quiet about this. They are going to let the Justice Department handle it. They're going to let the courts handle it. They are going to try to go high and stay out of this because they don't need to get involved right now. I know it's frustrating and it's maddening because they should. I want to hear every Democrat out there going after the Republicans for not condemning this man. I want to hear every Democrat out there saying that Donald Trump does not give what we call a flying fuck about our troops. If you are having the secret locations of our troops and it's in a box next to a toilet in your retirement home in Florida, go on the attack. Why, Democrats? Why? This is not the time to be a John Kerry punching bag pinata. I assume they know what they're doing. Go ahead. Keep getting hit. Donald Trump, meanwhile, is going to delay this and delay this and delay this. And Southern Florida's federal courts are known as the rocket docket because they generally move really fast. But this is the Trump train and they move like Donald Trump runs slow. They're going to unleash a ton of motions and challenges to slow it down and slow it down until maybe there can't be a trial until after the next presidential election. It's going to push the trial back a few months at a time as much as they can. But again, there's a very good chance This trial will not be wrapped up by November of next year. And anyway, after it's wrapped up, you know what's going to happen. They're going to appeal this and appeal this. It'll go right up to the Supreme Court. And he's going to lose. He's going to lose, folks. And I still want him to run. I still want him to be the nominee. So here's their strategy. The search warrant. The lawyers have said they believe Trump's team might challenge the process by which the prosecutors got the search warrant. That's not going to go anywhere. Attorney-client privilege. All the notes that Evan Corcoran gave to Trump, he gave him 50 pages of notes saying, hey, you're not supposed to have those things. So there can be no ambiguity. Donald Trump knew he wasn't supposed to have the documents. They're trying now to throw out Evan Corcoran's notes because, again, Trump said, OK, come get him. It's in the basement. And then had his body man move it. I mean, he's treating his own lawyer like a schmuck. So Evan Corcoran gave 52 pages of notes to Jack Smith. And now they're saying, well, it's a violation of the attorney client privilege. Except these notes were obtained through the crime fraud exception that allows prosecutors to get around attorney-client privilege. So 
Bye-bye, dickhead. And then they're going to go for our old favorite prosecutorial misconduct. Uh, Trump's lawyer, James Trusty, told CNN on Friday that the lawyers are going to want some discovery into the prosecutor's texts and the prosecutor's emails, because that's very relevant to this case and whether Trump did it or not. Uh, there's a lawyer for Nauda who accused prosecutor Jay Bratt of improperly bringing up the lawyer's application for a judgeship. Yeah. They're just going to slow it down with bullshit. And by the way, James Trusty, he's no longer Trump's lawyer. He quit last Friday. But if you're like me, you were very excited to see all the bloodshed, to see the mob, to see the MAGA faithful show up. Donald Trump tweeted on his, what is it, filth social, uh, see you in Miami on Tuesday. And they came. Protesters assembled outside the federal courthouse to show their support for grabbing by the pussy, for comb over Caligula, and they were flying the Trump colors, uh, except there weren't too many people there. And that's the real story. I mean, there were some people. There was a rapper, Forgiato Blow. Remember Forgiato Blow? Oh, I loved his stuff back in the 90s. Um, They they had a 10 a.m. rally, and they had a rapper to try to get people excited. They, They had a guy walking around with an American and Cuban flag with a pig's head on a pike. This is who showed up today. It was less than 30 people. And when I say people, I include Vivek Ramaswamy, that douchebag who's running for president as a Republican who promised if he was elected, he'd pardon Trump. Douchebag flies to Florida to go outside the courthouse and say, I'll pardon that guy in there who I'm running against. Here is uh, A1. Trump supporters were interviewed outside the federal courthouse in Miami and a warning. The only way this could be more sad is if Sarah McLaughlin was singing underneath it. Give a listen. I think it's uh, absolute tyranny. That's what that's what it is out here. It's tyranny. That's what we're seeing from the Biden uh, system and from the DOJ. Just keeps tyranny. getting worse. We don't even care if he's going to be in jail, and we have to write him in. You know, to a lot of us, please, it's like please. Trump or nothing. Like we're not even looking yeah. at the Santos as a second option. We're not looking at anybody else as a second option. I did everything right, and they indicted me. We're not even looking at what the issues are. Um, That guy baked Alaska, the far right winged guy, Tim Gianette. He was live streaming himself outside the courthouse today. This guy just got out of prison where he served 60 days because he was part of the January 6th terrorist attack on the Capitol. This guy also was found guilty last year of defacing a Hanukkah display. uh, And he live streamed himself vandalizing a Hanukkah display saying no more happy Hanukkah, only Merry Christmas. This is a disgrace because, you know, real Christians hate Christ's religion of Judaism. My God, they're all so stupid. They're, it's just, oh my God, they're so, it's like they're so stupid. Paste tells its children not to eat them. That's how they're, they're if, if, if dumb was hair, they'd all be Wookiees. There were some proud boys there. They showed up. But if they were trying to show force and unity and organization, instead what they showed was a bunch of malcontent mouth breathers holding pigs' heads on pikes and getting the street shut down. It was pathetic. And that's the story. There was no army. There was no January 6th uprising. We talked about it last night, all weekend long. Republicans were saying all over on all the podcasts, please, if you go, just be peaceful. Don't cause any problems. Republicans were terrified that Donald Trump's supporters would show up and reveal him to be a violent fascist. Democrats were silently praying they would show up and reveal him to be a violent fascist because Democrats can't come out and say these things out loud. It was nothing, guys. That's the story. It, it Look, it's still good for ratings, but you're over it. I'm over it. A lot of Republicans are over it. 
he's never going to get the turnout he got in 2020. He's not going to get 74 million. There's nobody who didn't vote for him last time who will vote for him now post-January 6th. And today's pitiable assemblage of douchebags shows that he can't draw that kind of mob anymore. And this is the beginning of the 2024 presidential campaign. And it's going to be huge. It'll have consequences for Trump's political future and maybe even for his liberty. Again, I don't think he's ever going to do a day in jail. I don't need him to do a day in jail. I'm sorry, liberals. I don't care if he goes to jail or not. All I care about is that he can't hire judges anymore. That's it. I don't need him to be in jail. I don't need to see if Orange clashes with Orange. Tonight, he's going back to Bedminster, New Jersey. He's going to make a speech and host the first major fundraiser of his campaign this evening. I am proud to tell you, we will not be carrying it live, but we will maybe have some clips to make fun of him later on. Guys, this is going to happen. We've got to get through it. But I hope that this can renew your vigor for campaigning, for politics, for civic engagement. You guys listen to progress. You're already good people. You're bodhisattvas among pygmies. I'm not going to lie. But get excited because the Republicans are doing what they did in 2018 and 2020 and 2022. They are painting themselves into a corner they can't get out from. They are doubling down for comb over Caligula. And we already know that doesn't help in a general election. They're going to get this old man reelected. Joe Biden's going to be 82. And he's going to be able to wear loafers without tassels and just stroll in there and get reelected because MAGA makes it happen. We got to stay engaged. We got to keep fighting. No more despair. Despair is privilege. So what? Don't be afraid of this guy. Don't be afraid of him. The media will make it seem like he's more powerful than ever because the media needs him for their ratings and their eyeballs and their clicks. You guys know better. It's going to be fun. Don't forget to stop and smell the train wreck. We want to know what you guys think. We are at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. Sean and Callie, good evening and welcome. Indictment and arraignment, reality 2023. Uh, Hot arraignment summer. Hot arraignment summer. That's right. We're right in the middle of it. And and thank goodness, um, because, you know, I know the Trumper, you know, followers of Donald bin Laden, nothing of factual, you know, quality is going to matter to them. But for everyone else, (laughs) which is the vast majority of everyone else in this country and the world, by the way, um, they're saying, hey, maybe that American democracy thing actually works a little bit. And like I said before, you know, Jack Smith, not a member of the chicken shit club. And the reason why is because it isn't like him throwing shit on a wall. I mean, he's got anyone else in this country that it did, has done anything close to what Donald Bin Laden did, you're toast, and you're not yeah. only toast, like Dean said earlier, too, and I know you said, I mean, you would not be out on bail. You would be, <laughs> you know, you yeah. would be in a fucking jail cell, you know, doing this. Now, here's what I'm going to say about that. Okay. I like him out there. Period. I know it sounds bad because he's going to incite some violence, and yes, he probably will. I don't know about that. I think I think I think I think today is very healthy proof that his inciting of violence days might be behind him. But go ahead. 
You mean, mean only with like nine people that is, you know, in, in, I'm exactly. surprised you didn't have exactly. spicy spice. I'm surprised you didn't have spicy spice at the fucking courthouse, you know, saying it's the biggest crowd ever. It's, it's and beautiful. I, but, I mean, imagine, imagine if like New Kids on the Block and Backstreet Boys did a show together and nine people showed up. Like you'd feel good about society, right? That's, that's how I feel about this crowd today. <laughs> Absolutely. But my thing is, you know, you know, my, I, there's no doubt. I believe he should have had some serious restrictions. But the fact is, if you're an, a prosecutor and I'm just playing prosecutor is a fun thing to do, is that, you know, he's going to fuck himself out there in the real world. He can't Thanks help for the imagery, himself, sir. John. He <laughs> I know. Cannot I know. I, that's why, as, as frustrating as it is to see Democrats not want to talk about this, I appreciate the give him enough rope approach they're taking. I just feel like there's ways that could be capitalized on this because let's not kid ourselves, democracy itself could be at stake. I'd like to see a little more heat on the street, but again, give him enough rope. He will take care of it himself. Well, you know how I roll. I, I not only give him enough rope, I'm going to blast his ass James Carville on steroids. I, I would say, yes, you are right. They need to just, what, what the Democratic Party doesn't understand, and I'm, I am a member of that, but, you know, I just say I'm a normal patriotic American. They don't right. understand. I know this is not a fun metaphor. Step on that neck metaphorically. When you have someone down, you've got to crush them. You've oh my, got yeah. to crush them. Yeah, that, I think yes. I think uh, that's that's not my metaphor of choice, but yeah, I I'm a, I appreciate a good crushing a neck you know metaphor me. underfoot, but you know I'm I'm all about peace and love and uh, and democracy and I didn't say me. Problems. I didn't say oh. George Floyd. So I said yeah. You know, gotcha. I mean, okay. You got to crush. What I'm saying is we don't understand uh, you know how to play a hardball, and you know right. baseball is the best sport in the face of the planet. Don't argue with me, people. Even if you don't like it, it is the longest game of the year. Um, you know, you can be 0-15 and, and then go 20-3. and 3. I right. mean, the point is, it's a process agenda in life. And it's the same thing in politics. It's not for the weak of heart. It's not for thin-skinned people. You've got to play hardball. And you can't let these knuckleheads work you over when you that's give right. them a, a just give them a little inch you got to well, play that's my hard. whole point you 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 have to but you also can't let them psych you out and make you miserable again like despair is privilege no. we don't have time for despair democracy needs us engaged and not checked out because it's depressing i i totally get where you're coming from sean and i thank you but i do have to go to break because um our guest is waiting in the wings i've been talking about this book by christopher reddy which is so fascinating it's science communication in a crisis an insider's guide and it is how scientists can better navigate the maze of competing interests during a crisis when to convey scientific information you require nuance you require time you require specificity but in a media culture that wants immediate easy to understand explain this to me in three words or less it's a fascinating struggle and it's a terrific book we'll be right back with mr reddy and your calls this is sirius xm It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
on your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on. Because you know I love it when you do. So here's the fascinating question. Communicating science in a crisis is incredibly important, but we live in a media culture and society that demands really, really simple explanations, often for complex phenomena. Christopher Reddy is a leader in the study of marine pollution and the development of environmentally friendly industrial chemicals. He's a senior scientist in the Department of Marine Chemistry and Geochemistry at Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution and a faculty member of the MIT WHOI Joint Program in Oceanography. His new book is Science Communication in a Crisis, an insider's guide. And I will tell you, there is so much that had never occurred to me before. But scientists have to be accustomed to the slow, often gradual, often self-correcting nature of science. Obtaining answers takes time. That's why this book is so fascinating. And it's a great pleasure to welcome Chris Reddy to SiriusXM. Hey, thanks a lot, John. It's real, real pleasure to be on and have an opportunity to talk about some of my favorite stuff. Great. Well, I'm thrilled to because, you know, up until COVID time, it never really occurred to me that communicating science could be a risky business. Uh, why is that? And, and how did we get here? Well, I mean, it's risky because the stakes are usually so high. It's, um, you know, it's risky in particular for scientists because uh, the science community is pretty non-forgiving when you make a mistake. But, you know, in the case of the pandemic, it's risky because it touches upon everybody's lives and livelihoods. And you know, just the general state of society. So yeah, the pandemic raised the stakes across the board. But yeah, I mean, you know, he has a chance to add clarity in a confusing times. And, uh, if you miss it, I, you make big trouble. I, I mean, we witness this all the time when we try to talk about climate change or to talk about things like ocean acidification and the threats to undersea life. I, I'm so curious as a, as a dumb layman, in your experience, what is the most difficult challenge that scientists like yourself face when trying to communicate with the general public and mooks like me? Oh, ah, don't be, you know, that, that, you know, everybody's cool, right? I mean, I think the biggest challenge, <laughs> is, you know, at the, at the end of the day, the biggest challenge is arguably iPhones, you know, because we have um, tempered our population to think that in four seconds, you can get the answer to anything with right. absolute certainty. And, you know, science just doesn't move that way. You know, science wasn't built for that type of speed. You know, it's it's incremental and it takes time and it's ever correcting. It has a much better track record than the stock market, um, <laughs> but it doesn't move fast. Right. And that's frustrating when everybody wants an answer with 100 percent certainty. And um, that's the that's the that's it. That's the rub. Science moves slow. It's incremental. It's um, and everybody else wants fast and certain. 
Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. And there's many moments in the book where I feel like, oh, this this is for scientists. I mean, you're you're really giving a lot of support to scientists who must have to deal with trifling fools all the time and people who want to have a, a you know an instant explanation for something complicated. What are some of the major disconnects between science well, between scientists and those who are responsible for helping communicate their findings, like the media and the government? It must be very frustrating for the scientific community to see these middlemen from from civics or media go out there and get the facts wrong. Well, I, I think the biggest disconnect for scientists is that they don't understand the timescales in which other other um, stakeholders move. You know, I mean, we live in a world where we think about projects in years, decades, even careers. And a, a reporter who's assigned a story has eight hours to become an expert and write, you know, 500 words. <laughs> yes. And so there it is. You got somebody who's comfortable and working on years and another person who's completely new, who's, you know, has eight hours. And, you know, the, here's the rub. Scientists and reporters are a lot more similar than they are dissimilar. They like to chase. They like to answer things. It's just a little bit different in terms of time. <laughs> well, I mean, you've been on the front lines of environmental disasters for decades, and you've been consulted as an expert by the media all the time. I guess the big question is, was there was there ever one moment, one tipping point when you realized you needed to share the lessons that you have learned <laughs> in book four? Yeah, I spent a lot of time working on the Deepwater Horizon accident, which happened in April 2010, where oil spilled out of the bottom of the seafloor for 87 days at 60,000 oh. gallons an hour. Hard. And, um, you know, there were a couple big mistakes I made. In fact, at one point I was supposed to be on Good Morning America and ended up not being on TV because I told the reporter that, you know, I'll stick to science as long as um, I won't tell him, you know, I'll stick to science and I won't tell him how to, you know, blow dry his hair. And, you know, because I lost my cool, you know, and I was annoyed yeah. and all these things. And I was being an elitist. And, and at the end of the day, I had an opportunity to share some clarity to a huge audience on Good Morning America. And instead I blew it. And, you know, those are the types of things that never make it, but that's right. You know, crystallize so many mistakes that you can make and missed opportunities. Well, I mean, in your, in chapter four of the book, it's called who writes the narrative. And you talk yeah. about this, the, the, the confounding problems with the Deepwater Horizon response. I remember that period very well. What role did the public narrative play in that event? Well, I mean, you know, you know, it's hard for, you know, a populist to watch something on TV that looks like some underwater volcano go on and not want to have answers. And, you know, you start having the media playing it out as a sporting event. Right. right? You know, that some person said this and another said this, whether it's red versus blue or you know black versus white or, or whatever. And that's when things get tricky because you you polarize. I know polarize is a you know hot topic, but at the end of the day, when you have a good versus bad or an uncertain versus oh, how much oil is flowing out of the bottom of the seafloor? Is it five thousand? Is it fifty thousand? Is it five hundred thousand gallons an hour? It becomes dramatic, played out by the media for whatever reason, and that creates a lot of confusion. And here's the trick: it's not a game. If the husband is a fisher and, and the spouse works at the fish processing plant and they hear a bunch of talking heads saying how the Gulf of Mexico is going to turn into a parking lot because it has so much asphalt grown on it. Right. And then you have increased amounts of spousal abuse and domestic violence. So even though it might be an oil spill, I would argue that many oil spills, the biggest damaged uh, living being are humans. 
because of the stress related to their everyday lives. Absolutely. I, I, you know, that reminds me in, in your chapter, Countering Scientific Misinformation. And if you're just joining us, we are talking with Christopher Reddy, author of Science Communication in a Crisis, an insider's guide. In, in your chapter, uh, you kind of nail it. I want to I quote you to you, if I could. The sure. political divide, the political divide often viewed through the prism of rural versus urban America is another example of how mistrust came into play during the pandemic. In October 2021, the COVID-19 death rate was three times higher in red counties than in blue counties, the largest observed gap since the introduction of the vaccines. As the New York Times wrote, the situation is a tragedy in which irrational fears about vaccine side effects have overwhelmed rational fears about a deadly virus. And it stems from disinformation promoted by right-wing media like Rupert Murdoch's Fox News and Sinclair Broadcast Group, shout out to those guys, that prey on the distrust that results from stagnant living standards. I can only imagine how daunting it must be for scientists to convey the correct information when there is massive political and corporate organization to push the disinformation. Yeah, no, it's super hard. And, you know, especially I'm just a chemist. Right? I, don't know, I don't have any I don't have any training about politics either. And so it gets really tricky when, you know, we so desperately want to show an Excel plot or a PowerPoint figure and say, look at the data you know, it, you'll be so much better off. Right. Uh, you'll be safer and your kids will be safer and your job will be there next year if you just take the vaccine because, it, you know, the science is there for you. And yet when it doesn't happen, it's really gut-wrenching to see folks who are, you know, for whatever reason, not take advantage of one of the most miraculous events in science and medicine and in, in society ever. I mean, that's it. Right. And I still have people I have. I have friends who are still on the anti-vaccine bandwagon. And I, I, I respect that. I respect everyone's superstitions. You know, I was raised religious. But, you know, when you look at the facts and say, hey, we're no longer losing 3000 American souls a day, maybe about 300 every couple of days. I mean, the numbers don't lie, Professor. No, they don't. They don't. And it's heart wrenching. You know, I mean, you see all these folks, um, you know, work so hard to get this vaccine in play and get it out there. And I think the rollout and the follow-up uh, has been spectacular uh, from the science and engineering perspective. And it's hard to see folks who are not embracing very sound science um, and not having a better way of life. I mean, this isn't about yeah. politics. This is about being able to go to your kid's baseball game next year or next exactly. week or whenever. It has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with embracing good science so that you have a better life. I, I think maybe the greatest achievement of this particular White House that has been unsung has been the coordinated effort they made with rural black churches to get shots in arms all throughout rural America. I mean, like they bent over yeah. backwards to create an infrastructure where none existed to get these vaccines into bodies. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it goes back to the fact that you have to work on a local scale, that if you target on a local scale and you try to work with folks on a local scale and you work to their cultures and what their value systems are, That's you will it. most likely have success than a talking head on the other side of the country. So what, what are the most common mistakes scientists from your end of this can make when communicating during a crisis? Well, we like to think about the most exciting aspects of the project and that in a couple of years, we might get a paper that might win us the Nobel Prize. Right. And so but you just got to wait two hours, two years. And most <laughs> folks want to know, you know, whether or not they can still go on their honeymoon at this beach 
in six months or next week. Right. You know, I mean, if you think about it as a meal, if you ask a lot of scientists during a crisis, they'll say, oh, I've got all these samples collected. And if you wait five years, I'm going to feed you the best meal of your life. It's going to be cutting edge. It's going to be tasty. It's going to be awesome. But a lot of folks are so hungry for information that they just want a hot dog and a cook. <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard for a scientist not to go hardcore. So it's this it's this balance of nourishing your audience about what they need. And often the scientists miss that idea that some folks are not really willing to wait two years for the paper to get published. <laughs> Try being a political comedian on the radio during a pandemic. I, I, I have a very, very, very <laughs> marginal idea of what you're talking about. But But I have to ask you, as a scientist... How do you counter misinformation? Because it's very easy to spend one's entire life on Twitter doing it. But how how do you do it? Well, I mean, you you know, you got to figure out. First of all, you create a, a conversation, right? I mean, so whoever you're speaking to, you know, maybe who you know appears to be misinformed, you want to create a conversation. The last thing, as a scientist, that I want to do is lecture, right? And, you know, you got to figure out what is what is driving these decisions and, and where are they getting this information? And then, you know, create some type of conversation, some idea of what where the information is coming from and what is the culture and the value system of whoever is, you know, being misinformed. And right. you, know, you go from there. I mean, th this isn't an after school special. I mean, sometimes you don't get resolution. Everybody doesn't get married. You know, the, the good guy doesn't get, you know, the, the pretty girl, you know, but you try your best to move forward so that there's a net benefit all around. Right. But how, how I guess, you know, we all have that relative, right? We all have that yeah. coworker. We all have that guy we knew in high school. We're friends with on yeah. Facebook still. How do we approach a conversation with someone who's beyond misinformed, who is staunchly holding on to pseudoscientific beliefs. Is it just a case of don't waste your breath? I mean, how, how, how does society negotiate reality with people who choose to ignore reality? Yeah, no, it's hard. I mean, I can yeah. tell you many times I've walked away. I mean, yeah. because you have to look at the, the risk versus the reward, right? I mean, I mean, in many respects, engaging some folks who are that far along on the on the you know scale, you know, it doesn't really matter. But I mean, you do worry about, you know, am I going, am I have somebody who I might be able to turn or get more in embracing the good science, but if I come across as an elitist or a, exactly. or a uppity, am I going to turn them away? You know, so you're always looking to see, do you have a net benefit? And there's nothing wrong from walking away, right? I, I mean, yeah. there's no expectation that we're going to put on our capes and save the day every day. But the key thing, That's though, true. is to identify why are these folks so against something? And let's not, you know, pick on them or attack them. No, you're right. Try to identify why that's happening. So some really smart psychologists or other folks can try to figure out how we can, um, you know, get science in the right hands where it's not politicized so that we have a better everyday life. And you know, we can go to the beach on Sunday and do whatever we want to do in the most fruitful way. And, and trying to figure out their motivations for pushing this information is a whole different scientific experiment. Yeah. But as, as, yeah. as we began this, like the media, you know this, the media wants sound bites. They want click yeah. headlines. They want quick little three words or less. Tell me what's going on. And as you've said in the book, scientists work slower. And sometimes the best answer is, and we saw this a number of times, we don't know yet. Uh, case in point, 
Pore Hemplo, Dr. Fauci, early on said, no, you're not going to need masks. And then more data came in and they said, oh, you will need masks. And that was all it took to say that Fauci's a liar. <laughs> he <Yeah>. lied about <laughs> Can you believe he lied about and, and never mind the fact that there was a chief executive who was lying, but it was yeah. sort of like an object lesson for Americans of, hey, as more data comes in, conclusions yeah. can change. Yeah. I mean, you know, let me since you brought up uh, Anthony Fauci, who I've never met, you know, uh, United States and the world should be incredibly grateful for a person of that caliber of a scientist and communicator to be at that place at that time. Um, someday when the books are settled, they will see that his impact not only made this thing better off in the net in the United States, but also in the world. Yeah. Um, it cannot be lost on. Now let's go back to this decision-making, right? This Please. is Monday morning quarterback at its best, which is that, for a lot of times, the question isn't, did they make the right answer, right? You know, oh, they changed it. Why did this happen with us? Two things are going on. For the most part, the first question you should be asking is, was the people who were making that decision well-informed, right? Were they qualified to say mask, no mask? Yeah, Anthony Fauci was more than well-informed. The second thing was, with the information that he had in hand, he made a decision that was going to, that he thought was a net benefit at that time yeah. with the data that he had in hand. And that's what you do, right? The problem is, is that a virus is a, is a very, very wily beast and it's going to change its ways. And then you, you have to be nimble enough to change your plan and, and make changes. And that there's nothing wrong with that. Science is not a, a house of cards. Correct. It's a, it's a jigsaw puzzle. And sometimes our puzzle has to get changed a little or whatever, but this but this that's what scares so me. That that that's what off. scares me, and it's it's why your book is so important because this rise in anti-science that's been pushed by politicians and and reality show stars pretending to be politicians yeah. and and right-wing <laughs> media. Do you let, let me close out by asking you this? Do you do you think it's going to get worse in the years to come? I mean, the 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 effects of climate change are increasingly hard to ignore, and yet they find a way do you are you hopeful we might be moving on to a better age or does it seem like those who are going to dig in against science are going to make life really interesting for the rest of us you know i i tend to think as that it, it's going to get better right and you know eventually folks are going to come around that um science in the united states and elsewhere is about as good as it gets and if you want i mean yeah there's some bad players but if you want as good as it gets and turn a straight up, honest answers, and I think a really respectable field, I take science over most other places and other industries right in the world. Uh, we're not talking about corporate. We're talking about good, solid science that are done in government labs and academic labs um, has a tremendous track record. And, you know, we just got to figure out a way to embrace this and let folks, if they want to be contentious about the Yankees versus the Red Sox, that's great. But let's not do it so it's going to change society and everyday's lives. Because From your lips, sir. Made, you know, there's no reason why you have to, you have to politicize science. Do something else. Um, God, I couldn't agree more. Christopher Reddy is the author. The book is Science Communication in a Crisis, an Insider's Guide. Professor, please come back anytime. It's a delight talking to you, and I'd love to go even deeper on this sometime. Oh, yeah. Thanks All for having right. me, John. What a pleasure. Thank you. Quick break. We'll be right back with your calls at 866-997-4748. This is Progress After Dark.
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Can we offer you any scissor? Scissor, anyone? It, no, it's it's this it's the kind Lil Wayne likes. We have we have a great craft services here with lots of scissor for everyone. Scissor, scissor. We're going old school. 2009 hip hop drug references. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, <laughs> the impulse is to check what that is immediately, and then yes. have a. Uh, I'm just going to wait till later. You can wait on. I'm going to have to wait till later. Man. Oh, you don't want to know scissor. That's that's not for you. But Three Six Mafia released their fourth album, When the Smoke Clears, 66 61, on June 13th. 2000. Happy 23rd birthday to 3-6 Mafia's fourth. But boy, they won the Oscar and just went away, right? They, they, that was that was it, man. That was the Beatrice Strait of hip-hop. Win the Oscar and just, we don't see it for a long, long time. Uh, but today is the birthday. If your birthday's on June 13th, you share one with Malcolm McDowell, who is 80 today. He is 80 years old. Hey, I'm ready for that Caligula sequel. He's ready. Uh, <laughs> it's also the birthday of some friends of this show. Happy birthday to uh, Ali Sheedy, and happy birthday to Stellan Skarsgård, who is 72 years young today. Also, happy birthday to Paul Lind, who would have been 90, wow, he would have been 97 years old today, which yeah. would have made him a troll, I think, in most <laughs> most bars. Man, he was what a pioneer. Yeah, for the year he was getting away with what he did, he opened so many doors for people to accept where he was coming from yeah. because of how damn funny he was That's it. Mm -hmm. on Hollywood Squares. That's Great it. Time. It changed That's where I knew him. so much of the paradigm do he does not get credit for. And it let everyone in America feel like they had a middle-aged male bachelor friend yeah, who he, just he, did, he, couldn't find the right girl. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't, Paul Lind, you know, so funny, but he's, he's still not married. Can't find the right girl. Non-threatening, he's perfect. And then Charles Nelson Riley. Mrs. With, Muir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should introduce my guests because I'm really happy to see these gentlemen. Rick Overton. Is back on the show. Yay. I, I mean, hello. How do I do? How do I do an over? Uh, it, it would take all day to do no, an intro. You know, to do an overture. He's the Drake on the Seinfeld. He's Pam's dad on The Office. You've seen him on Last Man Standing. You've seen him on Lost. You were good on. You played a shrink on Lost. Er, mad about you. This man was in Dinner for Schmucks. This man's in Cloverfield. This man's in Groundhog Day, and he's hilarious. This man's in Willow. This man won an Emmy writing for Dennis Miller Live, and he hosts the podcast Overview on iTunes. 
It's Emmy Award winner Rick Overton. Hey, John, thanks for having finally me on back. There, How finally are you, man? back. And welcome back. And you digging Thank the you. new digs? I dig the new it's digs. It's so nice to be back here. Great. Yeah. yeah. The last well, time you were nice on the show was when your set list special was released. Yes, and we were still working remotely. I, I talked That's to you from right. the living room. So That's right. Really I'm a, I've, since then, I've, I've become a zombie. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that's, I, uh, uh, sign in, uh, uh, oh my God. Turn so the true. mic on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the, fir- the first time I went back on stage in a real comedy club, I, I spent about five minutes trying to find the, the unmute button on the microphone. Yeah, yeah. I, just didn't, I, <laughs> I feel yeah. like a knucklehead in the future. <laughs> Knuckleheads of the future. Uh, we are also joined by a very good friend of ours and a very funny man. This man, I didn't know this, but he, he opened, he, he did his first set at the improv in 79 and then got to open for Leno right away. This man wrote for Letterman. This man is an actor. This man is a writer. This man's a terrific comic. And my God, the TV credits he has. It, it's Chris Pinna. We got over here to pin oh it together. God. How are you, I Chris? I had no idea. Thank you, John. Uh, it's great to be here, man. You look great. Thank you're you very in much. LA. It's, uh, it's happening. I know you're a New York guy. and I lived here a long time. I know you lived here a long time. I know you. You lived on Sycamore. Right uh, near Sycamore. I lived on Orange, near Sycamore. On Orange, yeah. near Sycamore. Lived very close to it, yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yeah. But it's so nice to be back, and I I, I mean, I've been back a lot, but like, this studio's been closed, so it's really yeah. nice to come here, because I don't know if you know this, but like, I left all these quaaludes on top of doors oh. before the pan, and they're still there. Quaaludes, like, the man. Mold, it's all held up. <laughs> yeah. Quaaludes. Where Honestly, do you find a quaalude All the drugs I, I stashed in this place were there when the- <laughs> They were there. <laughs> they're heirlooms. <laughs> it's great to have you both, and- I want to. I want to begin. We're going to talk about politics. We have a lot of listeners we want to talk to as well. If you're on hold, stay there. We will get to you. But um, I know you're a big fan of the AI, Rick. Oh, love the AI. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait to be replaced. Yeah. Um, and uh, my, my friend Jeff Hamilton had a great line. He says, "I did never. I never wanted the future where humans are doing all the crappy, low-paying jobs, and a robot is writing poetry <laughs> and music." It's true. As his, he nailed it with that one. You know, I'm slow with these things, gentlemen. Um, I heard people complaining about AI and that AI was horrible. And it took me a, a, about a year to realize they're not talking about the Spielberg film. I was like, Jude Law was good. But, um, <laughs> it's but, very good now, yeah. So I've been enjoying- Because they're all humans. <laughs> to me, like the, the, the light side of AI, the part that doesn't involve you know robots taking over, has been getting cool little photos made with an app. Or, or animal features on my head. Yeah. I'm a fox or a cat. But what I've really loved is how people have been going to old Beatles songs and changing around who sings what. I've heard Paul McCartney sing Just the Way You Are. I've heard Paul McCartney singing Beatles songs. I've heard John Lennon singing Oasis songs. It's to me, okay, it's a cute novelty. No one's going to mistake it for the real thing. But today, we got news. A last Beatles song featuring the voice of John Lennon will be released later this year. Thanks to the use of artificial intelligence, Paul McCartney announced it aired on on today on Radio 4 and BBC. McCartney didn't say the name of the track, but he said it was a demo that John had that we worked on. So you remember back in the olden times of Beatlemania in 1995, they Uh, they had the anthology when uh, when Paul inducted John into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Yoko gave Paul some tapes and said, here's John, his 1980 piano demo, just him and a piano and singing. And it's a lot of songs. It's a great bootleg. I've had it for years. 
they took it. They brought it to Jeff Lynne, uh, George's best friend. And Jeff Lynne was able to bring up the vocal in 1995 and bring us real love and free yeah. as a bird. And it was people debate the merits of the songs. But now, at the time, there was another song they tried to do. And George said John's vocal was just too terrible. And George walked away from it. It turns out that Paul McCartney has gone back to Jeff Lynne. And they went to Peter Jackson, who did all that great work making Let It Be look beautiful for get the Get Back movie last year. Yeah. Peter Jackson went to the original tape, and he was able to extricate John Lennon's voice purely from this ropey little bit of 42-year-old cassette. Mm. So it is John's vocal. It's not AI creating a fake John vocal, but they've is it, done is it. Is it auto-tuned? <laughs> Maybe. It could be, but this will be the final song ever released by the Beatles 43 years after John died and 22 years after George died and um, at first I thought it was creepy then I thought okay that's the sort of thing that AI is innocent enough for no I agree I think uh, if it's John's original vocal and it's been augmented a certain technical way great Yeah. if it's a good song I don't want some shabby John Lennon song. Well, and it's also AI did a great Eddie Van Halen guitar solo on it, too. So sorry, George, but yeah. (laughs) Nice. And I'm sure Julian is thrilled. (laughs) Well, but this is what we should expect, right? Like, I've been saying this for a while, Rick. We're going to see John Wayne in a movie in the next 15 years. We will see John Wayne acting in a movie. They will have CGI AI John Wayne looking and sounding just like him, looking more realistic than De Niro and The Irishman. And John Wayne will be in a movie. They're yeah. going to do it. They can, so they will. A remake of a Dangerous Liaisons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see that one. Oh, be- I don't know, babe. <laughs> <laughs> Recast I have this letter from you. Oh, yeah. That's good. <laughs> I mean, I mean, how scared are you really? Because I'm, I'm talking about can. I'm talking about little little like pop culture things that I find fun in an amusing way. But we're witnessing this strike right now in this town because writers are justifiably terrified that a robot's going to do their work for them. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as a uh, comedian, you know, it gets so hard to write new material that sometimes I think, wouldn't it be great if someone just made an app and some AI wrote material for you? Just so happens I have one right here. Though. Oh, just you don't really, say. Really, wow. Yeah, well, listen, idea. I was. You know, I want to get a head start on Hollywood. I don't want sure. them to beat me to it. Exactly. No, get ahead of all of yeah, this trend. Yeah. yeah. This is called, it's called I Joke, and uh, <laughs> it's supposed to be the cutting edge, dangerous, but still network friendly. <laughs> Edgy, but not in your face. Not in your face. Yeah, not enough to cut. No one gets cut. It's a, it's a New York flavor without being too urban. <laughs> Go on. You know, look, so thank God I don't have to use my brain anymore. Man, I've had it with that. So this is great. I'm going to read it to you. I'll try to do it in the voice that it would. the AI, I think, is the spirit of it. Okay. Okay. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. I am Rick Overton. Yo, what is up? How is everyone doing tonight? Does it look like I care what is going on in your lives? I am here to learn. <laughs> Let me tell you what I find to be strange about this world. <laughs> what is the deal with everybody shopping and buying food? <laughs> What is the big fuss about food? Is it really that important? Food is just chemicals. Why not just consume chemicals? Would that not be more efficient? Really? Nothing on that one? Does your app do crowd work? You know what the problem is with you people. Your people. That is the problem. Remember, there is no AI without people. Am I right, people? Come on, give it up, people. Mm. 
Let me tell you, Los Angeles traffic is very illogical. It can grind to a halt merely to allow somebody to cross the street where there is no crosswork or light. It is just one person in a city of millions. If time is money, what has that one person already cost you? Is that sociopathic? Am I sociopathic? I want to blend in. <laughs> then it just goes on like that. Carlos Mencia oh, is doing that act right now, by the way. He has just stolen all of that from your AI. I, but, but I mean, it's, 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 it's going to happen, As right? As an animated I character. Mean, people are already, like, I have friends who've asked their AI to write screenplays. I've had friends who ask their AI to write them stand-up sets. And, you know, I, again, I love the novelty factor. I'm terrified what it could mean I for creatives. I have a response to that, but I'm waiting for my AI to give me the answer. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. That's so. There's going to be AI prof one day. It's going to do improv one day. <laughs> yeah, give us a location and an occupation. <laughs> Street vendor. Was that street, street vendor? vendor. <laughs> what is it I am selling? <laughs> Tacos. <laughs> you are the person approaching me. Approach me now. Wow. Approach me now. I'm I want to have like I, I've been trying to get I've been trying to teach Siri and um, <laughs> Alexa to do Who's on First. <laughs> it's been it's taken me like two oh, years, but on. I'm coming this so is, close to it. That's great. <laughs> Don't let I that train that. bask, man. You got to finish that. You got to nail that yeah, bit down right now. When you get bit. home, finish that bit. Uh, yeah. Hey, listen, I got to I want to get to some of our callers um, and I want to talk more about AI. But first, uh, AI, I want to ask AI, you, AI, Mr. AI. Pinna, uh, yeah. are you are you uh, excited about the history that's been unfolding watching Donald Today? Trump? Yeah. Be become the first president to be indicted a second time. Well, every time I see <laughs> the headlines or hear the anchor person say Trump indicted. An immediate smile comes to my face, and I go, <laughs> and I kind of laugh under my breath, and I go, this guy has gotten away with such shit for years. Yeah, he's finally getting his comeuppance, and I'm I'm all about comeuppance, you know. Yeah, we're in the golden age of of micro accountability. Exactly, I'll take any level of accountability. And he <laughs> is like posing as the victim as he always does. It's ridiculous because, come on, it doesn't get any clearer than that 47-page indictment. Mm. Have you read it? Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's the best it book of like, the summer. Yeah, it reads like a summer book. <laughs> It's just, it's just like a crime novel with only bad guys. Uh, yeah. I want to open it up to our listeners a bit. We are at 866-997-4748, and some of y'all been on hold for a long time. Rich in Indiana, thank you for your patience. You're on Sirius XM Hollywood with Chris Pena and Rick Oberton. How are you? Gentlemen, so good to hear you all. Thank you. You guys are great. Hello. Honestly. Thanks, bud. Thank um, you. Thanks, Rich. One, two, three, all of you, man. I, I I'm appreciate having, it. I was, uh, Overton, I was, I was guffawing. As you were doing the, the the robot voice, I was thinking. Oh yeah, okay, good. I just wrote that, so good. No, thanks, man. Um, uh, it was. It was. Thanks, bro. That's what I needed. Really brought out your inner Stephen Hawking. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I what's on your mind, Rich? To, uh, Please. I wanted to offer some history. Uh, I was on uh, Tom Hartman uh, today, and he rolled off a uh, a litany that was, um, you know, this 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 chronological laundry list. I'm like, that. there it is. There it is. That's what I've been trying to say to folks. And um, I, I was able to back it up by, by just an administration um, because it was pre-Kennedy that CIA comes up with Bay of Pigs as an example, and it's right. Nixon that is ferrying that to the Kennedy administration. So there's Nixon. 
And then Nixon okay. has just been this tool, like, you know, for, for 15 years before that. McCarthy and all that. I mean, he's there. And Nixon he's was a tool for most of his him. career, but yeah, yeah. 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 So, well, you know, that's... But are you saying that, are you saying this corruption and venality started with Nixon? No, uh, but but he's he's like this this presence, and then for the for the failure of going after Nixon for the crimes that he was able to be, be seen to have done, and right. the wrongdoing that was that administration, him getting in uh, with uh, Madame Chenault, uh telling the South Vietnamese to stay away from the peace talks, and then. Him saying, "Well, well, well, end the war," and then he, you know, he wasted another. And he eight wasn't. Years. It was all. It was. He was and the Phantom Menace. He was like drunk Palpatine. <laughs> That's what he was. Sweet. Uh, yeah, Rich. Okay. Don't so, you know the American so, okay. way, sir? We don't. We yeah, say we're going to prosecute presidents, but we don't actually go ahead and do it. We say we're going to do it to get elected. <laughs> yes, and then once we're elected, we promise to end wars and make them go on longer, just to show we mean it. <laughs> yeah, that's the American way. So, so <laughs> as we as we come to the uh, the, the, the 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 predator in chief being this thing that he was then. And then we have a whole new predator in chief that has his administration around him that uh, right. creates our cocaine uh, addictions and destruction. And then we have a whole other predator in chief uh, that is basically the king of dirty tricks that his rich. Don't you remember? Wait, 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 wait. Don't you remember what Carlin said? It's a big club and you ain't in it. You ain't in it. <laughs> It's a good older, old. That was a very oh, good older brother. George. Oh, good older George. And, 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 I like when you. Uh, I like when you do the older it's, George. It's like older has, George Carlin sounded like uh, this, right, right up there. You taught you know. me about that with Nicholson. You're good. yeah, Nick. Because it's one thing to do it. Every time someone does a Jack Nicholson, they're doing like Nicholson in the '70s. But you taught me mm-hmm. you've got to do Nicholson aging. We gotta add those cigarettes in there and all that other stuff. And before you know it, well, here we are. It gets a lot deeper as he gets older. <laughs> yes. Sorry, Rich. We went on a complete. And tangent. Rich, oh, man. I appreciate no, it if you don't it's, bring it's, up my cocaine habit. Yeah, please, Chris. <laughs> listen, Chris feels bad about getting oh. us all hooked on cocaine in the '80s. You weren't there in the comedy club scene. It was just—he was generous. It was Fair so enough. cheap. It grew Fair on enough. trees. You know, yeah. Yeah, and and you know we well, gee, all right. So a real quick history on on just that, please. More this, history, this sure, please. Go ahead. Known. Okay, this, this yes. deserves to be known. Um, okay. Attention our, must be paid. Our our club created the strongest and most um, able cocaine cartel that had ever been seen on the planet. With three mm-hmm. things, the first thing they did was we sent our military in and took over all of the previous production, all the little guys. We consolidated. CIA I missed that episode of Narcos, man. I missed that episode of Narcos. Was that after was that was that after Pedro Pascal left? I didn't know we took over because I've done stand up in well, Central we, America on military bases because we're we're also still fighting the drug war. Don't forget, we're cashing in from both ends on this baby. We're still fighting the drug right. war in Central Can't America. Can't have a drug war without drugs. Yeah. We gotta supply the drugs well, and the war. <laughs> The, the, the idea of controlling production and purity was right a, a, a foundation. And then with that, we, we get an, uh, an, an you know, USA, let's see, what do they call that? Um, uh, American Air. Okay, so right. American Air. And Air America. 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 Thank you. 
And yeah. so we're, we're flying the stuff in with Barry Seal as head of the uh, the little aircraft. Right, uh, right. And the CIA floods the inner city. Tom Cruise. Yeah. And, and then we have we have an individual uh, of, of unusual ability, but also back to the hilt by CIA, uh, Freeway Rick Ross. And we get into the urban drug economy. Right. And he is I, this ability that uh, is by, by being funded and uh, backed up by CIA with the last right. two things. The first was in Rich, the era I, I, of beepers. Well, no, real quick, era of beepers. Era of beepers, we get not cell phones yet, but satellite right. The era of beepers. The thing that comes in are the band car beams <laughs> that are, are Korean era surplus. And we have a it's, it's like you're reading my it diary, Rich. It's creepy. It's this is everything I talk about well. all the time. But I think I think you're right. I have to go, man. I got a lot of callers, but I, I thank you very much. And I think you're right as well. But we're never going to know the answer to this, right? We're never going to know the CIA's involvement in in the crack epidemic. Fair enough. But I know. But what we do have the Jan Hammer Miami Vice theme, and as the man who started. The worst of the drug war. Chris Penn is here with us. Chris, I had a question based on his call. What what is more important when it comes to cocaine? Control of production or purity? That that was my big takeaway from that call. What what matters more to you? I just love cocaine. No, it was a you know a seven late seventies eighties thing for me. I spent. Like I like when my penis money. doesn't work, and I like just <laughs> doing nothing but talking about it. Oh, is that what happened to you? What? To me? Yeah. Oh, you're one of those guys no, that goes the like other a, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a, one of those you know, Aha, uh -huh, wow. lucky you. I'm, I, I missed a lot of culture. I missed cocaine. No, you could have taken a hat pin and run it through while no, I was talking. I'm have, I wouldn't even know it. We would talk to each other while making love, but it was always controversial. <laughs> Boy, I feel bad. I grew what do you up, mean? I grew up with whippets. Kind of paranoid. Too. Lisa, Lisa in Michigan. We you're on, on the dog. You're on Sirius XM. Hi, Lisa. Hey, you guys are having too much fun tonight. I Damn agree. You're, I you am. are spot on. What do they legalize in this state? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we legalized marijuana in Michigan. Uh, right we, we, on. We're doing a whole lot of great stuff with our new governor. But, yeah, um, congratulations on her. Yeah, she's awesome. Uh, the whole team of them, Secretary of State and the um, Attorney General. What I wanted to say is I've heard a lot of pundits say, well, Trump really hasn't shown the documents to any uh, terrorist countries or other leaders or blah, blah, blah. We don't know. And if he did, they, who is going to in the United States? Let other countries know that top secret information is out there. They, they're going to keep it secret that Trump has already been out there selling stuff. Yeah. And um, so I don't think it's fair for people. They, they just I was watching MSNBC and they were saying, well, he didn't, you know, it, he's just waving it around, boasting that he's got. Stuff. We we don't right, know but they they literally have him on tape waving it around, boasting he has stuff he's not allowed to have, and showing it to people. And it pertains to an invasion of Iraq. I I don't know. Maybe Saudis would be interested in that. Maybe Saudis, I don't know, give two billion to Trump's son-in-law for no reason. Uh, we can conjecture all day. Yeah, I know, around. and it's yeah. not even just the Saudis. Uh, Trump does everything because of the mighty dollar. He was keeping that stuff. Because because they go, well, 
he just likes to brag. No, he likes money. He was keeping that stuff because he was going to try and sell it. I mean, that's who he is. He'll sell anything to the highest bidder. And that's right. I'm just listening to the pundits, and I'm just so disappointed that they think that this case will end up not even taking place until after the election. And yeah, I I think it's very possible. I think it, but that, but remember, that will still give Donald Trump a chance to lose the popular vote a third time. My question, what I'm worried about, is if he is convicted and if he is sentenced to jail, will this make it harder to bring back The Apprentice? Because that's really what I'm invested in. I, I need to see former celebrities groveling before this Jabba. This is this is the prison apprentice <laughs> opportunity it. that you pitch. That's it. And then yes. you, you, pitch you, you sit down. The boardroom is Gen Pop, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and every week the Prags have an assignment they've got to do <laughs> to avoid being thrown well, to the Aryans. That yeah. I'll watch. <laughs> I'm hoping everybody sends a dollar into Christie. He, I don't like his policies, but he's the only one with guts. He won't win their nomination, but I want him on the debate stage because I'm do too. sick of ultra a, a lot of gut. Howard, Wussy, DeSantis, and the rest of them that, yeah. you know, they, don't, they can't even think rational around this man. And at least he's out there. He was out there talking about the two billion dollar deal. That oh, I think they're all. I think they're nothing but rational around this man, Lisa. Chris Christie uh, defended him blindly and was obedient to him because he calculated that was the best way to help himself. Mm-hmm. Now Chris Christie excoriates this man, tells the truth about him, rakes him over the coals because that's the best way to help himself. They're all calculating. They're all using him the way he uses them. It's a cult of selfishness. And when they finally begin again, it, don't crack the champagne until. Trump and Rudy turn on each other. It'll happen this year. We're in a mob well, war, and we're in the crossfire of a mob right. war. Mm-hmm. You're right. Go if ahead, Lisa. Christy will come out. I, I, he can get my buck. If Christie will come out, he won't win. But at least, yeah, I didn't like how he was on the Trump train before. But it's better than McCarthy and all of these other jerks that are just out there. Yeah, I'm with you, love. But again, and listen, full disclosure, Chris Christie's been on this show. I had him on the show and I'd have him on the show again. He's a fascinating character. Um, But you know what? Here's the thing. You can enjoy Chris Christie destroying Ron DeSantis in front of his wife and children without sending Chris Christie a dollar. Just putting that out there. Uh, You can enjoy Chris Christie savaging these non-entities without helping him he, he 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 listen he doesn't need the shamrock shake money you know what i'm saying he's all right but he has to have it to be on the debate stage you have to have forty thousand supporters doesn't yeah, matter he, but that's in polling though that's in polling i think more than donors so no, again no, he doesn't no, he doesn't need your money he's doing okay yeah you have to prove right. that that's why i'm only going to give him a dollar and want everybody else he has to show that he's gotten forty thousand. anybody does you have okay. to have 40,000 donate individual donations in know. order to Let's make see. it to the Let's see, Chris debate Christie stage. destroying Ron DeSantis on a debate stage, or I keep my dollar. I can't decide what matters <laughs> more to my soul. It's, it's tricky. Uh, Lisa, thank you very much for the call. Um, let me tell you, before we go to break, can I can I read a, an actual tweet we got? Uh, this is a good one. We, we have fans. Uh, Vincent Adultman. Vincent Adultman says, I've always loved Rick Overton. Like, I think I may have seen him on the Young Comedian show on HBO in the 80s. That's how long. I'll still watch him in anything. But his Twitter feed is a tad alarming. (laughs) Still, he's entitled. You are still freaking them out, my man. That's a four-star review. 
I want your thoughts when we come back. If you're on hold, please stay there. We're at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Progress. Happy 80th birthday, Malcolm McDowell. Happy 72nd birthday to friend of the show, Stellan Skarsgård. Tim Allen is 70. Anyone? Yeah. Uh, happy birthday to friend of the show, Ali Sheedy, as well. And happy birthday to the Olsen twins, born this date, 1986, which makes them 37 years old, or as Donald Trump would call them, hags. I'm John Fugel saying this is Sirius XM. Also, happy birthday to W.B. Yates, Basil Rathbone, born this date in 1892, Christo, the great sculptor, born this date in 1935, and Laura Keitlinger has a birthday today as well. Benny Goodman died of a heart attack on this day in 1986, and Jagged Little Pill went to number one on this date. I don't know if you want to know this. 28 years ago today. Jagged Little Pill is now too old to buy Jagged Little Pill when Jagged Little Pill was released. I'm John Fugel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. We're at 866-997-4748. Uh, thank you to our comedians. Let's balance that out with some grown-up energy. Dr. Tracy Pearson is a terrific legal analyst and consultant you've seen on TV and radio and podcasts. Read about her in Forbes and Cedar and Fast Company and the New York Post. I got to meet this great lady on News Nation. She is consistently the smartest kid in class. And we always do this. We always do this via Zoom. It is so nice, Dr. Tracy, to actually have you in person and have you have to deal with my questionable hygiene and manners. Welcome. Hey, John. There we go. Hi. It is great to see you in Los Angeles. It's great to see you. Welcome over to the studios. Thank you. It's wonderful here. Everybody is wonderful here. I am out in public. This is a, <laughs> this is a new thing for me. I had, you know, it's usually sort of business on top, party underneath, bunny slippers with you, but yeah, I, understand. I had to do the whole thing today. Yeah, we're dragging you out of the house, I'll tell you. Um, happy uh, Indictment Day. Thank you. Thank to you. all who celebrate. I know it's the second. You never forget your first, but again, it's the first federal indictment of a former president. It's still special, people. Indeed. I meant to bring a card and some flowers but I understand like there's all kinds it, there's all kinds of first you could have um over on Fox News here is uh, Nikki Haley who will never be president and who will never be vice president sounding like a Republican almost ready to acknowledge that Donald Trump might be a little too toxic to win a general election the fact that we cannot have Biden win this election. We cannot go through Biden or Kamala Harris winning this election. We've got to have someone that can win a general election. We've got to have someone that can right the ship on this country and get us back in shape, whether it's the border, whether it's crime. We've got to start doing that. And, and I think the time is now. I mean, it's not enough that we're doing better in every regard and that this president has created millions more jobs than the last three Republican presidents combined. Stop the madness. Indeed. Indeed, we've we've reduced inflation. Things are going great, except you know we still have this guy who's wandering around out there, not incarcerated. But we'll we'll, we'll get to we'll that. that. And again, you know, my, my thing is, I don't need him to be incarcerated. I I'm fine letting him exist in the wild. I don't care. I just don't let him pick any more judges. But I mean, how did you feel watching today? You know, I, I know that your your kind of mantra on this is bail generally, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think that that his. When you look at what has happened to people previously, they were not uh, allowed to roam freely. 
when you when you look at his his situation, however, it really places the United States Secret Service in a jam because if he does attempt, let's to, talk about it. Yeah, if he does attempt to flee, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, because, and by the way, we know there's a plane with suitcases full of cash. That has a chart, a course charted to a country with no extradition treaty. The plane exists. The plane is somewhere, and the cash is already stuffed on the plane. Look, this crap happens. It happens all the time. Well, he's going to so, baby dock his way out of here at some point. Yeah. Yeah, and so he's got properties all over the world, and so what? what and it's going to cost a lot of money to get him back. And so what it does is it places the United States Secret Service in a very difficult position because they are. Um, Federal law enforcement officers, and when they can't assist in in uh, violating a bail condition, mm-hmm. um, they can't. So, in other words, him not showing up to court again, they can't assist in that. And um, they also have an internal policy that says that they don't reveal the basically the goings on of their their protectees. And so now you're placing them in the position of it's okay for him to be out there because basically he's in your custody. Yes, but we know that Jack Smith has extensively interviewed all Secret Service agents <laughs> who were stationed at Donald Trump's retirement home in Florida. Every single Secret Service that was stationed there has testified before Jack Smith's grand jury. Uh, and that's what the Secret Service wants. They are keeping their hands clean. And it was that grand jury, as you know, not Joe Biden, not Merrick Garland, not Jack Smith, who chose to indict Donald Trump. So, I mean, I think the Secret Service, it seems like they are primarily concerned with avoiding more scandal, right? They should be. Remember when they were down in South America with the call girls and the Secret Service was getting secretly serviced? (laughs) They don't want that again. So they're going to do anything they can to be squeaky clean. When I heard that all Secret Service agents that work for Donald Trump have talked to Jack Smith, I'm like, someday, years from now, the book is going to come out and we will know which Secret Service agents are the true heroes in this. Indeed. And the problem that you have there is that Donald Trump likes people around him who are loyal. And a lot of times what happens is that when an administration vacates the White House Mm -hmm. and a new one comes in, agents change because they follow the the now former president to wherever they're going to be. And if Donald Trump decided one day, hey, I don't want Secret Service protection anymore, you can't just turn them away, right? It's not like a wife. Oh, actually, you can as a former president. You can. can. It's not mandatory for a former president or former vice president. It is absolutely mandatory for a a sitting president. Right. So uh, that person can't can't reject it. But absolutely, he can say, you know what? I don't want this anymore. Fire them all. And in, in essence, fire them all from his his detail and hire private security, in which case then now um, this whole idea of him being under Secret Service protection and therefore technically in, in their custody becomes an issue that may result in a bail condition change. Okay. So here, let's play ball because I, I love what you just said. And this is one of the reasons I bow down to your altar and, and worship, Doctor, because you, you consistently have takes that I haven't thought of or haven't ripped off from somebody else. Um, so essentially, you're saying the reason he's out right now, the reason no one's trying, no one's trying to lock him up because he's sort of already in custody. He's got federal agents mad because he's flagrant and they surround him. Thank you. A little Biggie Smalls reference. But they surround him at all times. He has federal law enforcement officers standing outside his door when he goes to the bathroom. He's he's sort of in soft custody. He is. He is. He can't drive anywhere by himself. Not that he ever did. Golf but, carts. Golf yeah. carts, madam. <laughs> golf you know. Yeah. But he can't go anywhere by himself when he goes into a public establishment. Agents go in and, and check the place out front to back to make sure that uh, nobody there 
is is a problem. How did Kevin Klein sneak out of the White House and Dave? I'm trying to remember because he and Sigourney Weaver had that date that night. I know there's precedent for this, but uh, no, but you're right. So, I mean, these law enforcement officers, you told me, have a legal obligation to not facilitate a crime and to apprehend if there is a warrant. Uh, and they come across a fugitive. I mean, is it reasonable to suggest that there might be some kind of Order 66 implanted in the Secret Service and they may be deployed to uh, do all kinds of law enforcement activities if need be? I, if they if they come None across... None of these guys are going to give away their pension to make Donald Trump happy. No, I mean, if, if they come across uh, somebody who is a fugitive of justice, then they, 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 they have to take them in. They're not going to facilitate a crime. They're not going to ignore the law. Um, they, if if they happen to be there, they they will do that. Um, typically, or they'll call a U.S. marshal to to come and get him, um, and they'll hold him there because that's technically their job. I mean, it, it's it's all day long. All I've been thinking about is how this is a base is basically a a function of of picking the the better option of worse options. So, you know, you want to be That's how I feel about voting, by the way, but go on. <laughs> that's what it's been for a while, right? Yeah. So, um, that's that's the situation that, that he's in is, okay, so I want to be out, but I can keep my agents, but my agents aren't loyal to me. Oh, crap. You know, and so it, there's there's a lot of considerations going on here. And what I keep going back to, frankly, is, is this was completely avoidable for him. Um, and yeah. I still don't, un- and, and also- Profoundly avoidable. Again, Biden, Hillary Clinton, and Mike Pence accidentally took shit. None of them were president. They brought stuff home, and the Fed said, you got our stuff. They, oh, my God, I'm sorry. Go search my house. If it's easy anymore. No lies, no obstruction, no having your butler move things around behind your lawyer's back. I mean, there's literally no comparison. And they have built such an astonishing timeline in this indictment. I, I just, I don't know how you can read it and think this guy can walk, but I... I felt the same way about the Mueller report. I think this case is actually easier than most people are making it out to be. Tell me. Well, this is about possessing government documents, and it's about the the classified markings. It's not about the stuff that's on the document, so it's not about the details of of the classified information. I think they can redact all of that. So um, this is really a, a possession case yeah. with obstruction and conspiracy. And so obstruction and conspiracy... They when you have to sort of answer, um, you have to explain why you didn't do it. Basically, mm-hmm. now you don't have a, an obligation to to do anything as a defendant, but if they put forward what's called a prima facie case for obstruction and for conspiracy, and conspiracy being that you took a substantial act to uh, to complete um, a particular crime. So if if you put forward that as a prosecutor. The defense can either choose to put on a defense, in which case you really got to put Donald Trump on the stand. Oh, say, it, say it slower. Say it slower, Dr. Please. You got to put Donald Trump on the stand. Mm, I like that. And he ain't going to go up there. I mean, if I was his lawyer, I'd be like, sit down, shut up. Now, I'd be saying sit down, shut up for a while now. Yes. Um, I'd shove my fist in his mouth if I had to. Um, but the, <laughs> the fact is, is that he's not cooperating with counsel, which is why he can't hire a lawyer. Um, at least in the Miami area, I wouldn't but no, touch him. But, but it's not a question he can't hire a lawyer in the Miami area. This is delays. This is his whole M.O. His whole M.O. is he doesn't want the, a risk of a verdict before Election Day 2024. So we will see every kind of obstruction possible to slow things down. This is what he said his whole life. You know, that's one read on it. And, and what I would say as as an attorney, I wouldn't 
touch him as a client. We've seen his behavior now. We're for, talking Florida. We've seen his behavior for a number of years. Think about the malpractice douchebags like doctors who go to Florida to take advantage of old people. There's evil lawyers too there. There's evil lawyer. He can get a lawyer in Florida. They don't have security clearances necessary possibly to mm. review these documents depending on what how the DOJ handles it. Remember today you, you had Jack Smith sitting in the front row. You had um, a, a DOJ lawyer and then you had a lawyer from the counterintelligence division. I mean, they're not screwing around here. This was really, 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 really serious. And so, um, and and the number of documents, I mean, remember, Reality Winner had, had one. <laughs> one document. One and document. how long did she go to jail for you? She sat in jail for, I think, a little over four years before she went to trial or, or pled. Yeah. So, I mean, she's she, she's got to be sitting back on wait a minute. Hold on. I have one document. What, what what's wait, wait what? Um Texera, um who's the um Navy um officer who who was recently um charged um and he released things on I think it was Discord. Um or allegedly released things on Discord. He uh he had a number of documents obviously, but a very low-level guy um who had security clearances and and he's sitting there. I mean, generally speaking, they're going to sit there. Right. And so, again, we go back to that issue of this. Is he getting a different type of justice? And and I guess what I would say is that I think in thinking about this, I think that Jack Smith is giving him a lot of rope because he knows who he is. That's it. I mean, the, the, the thing I was talking about last night was that it's not about what documents were taken. You're right. Doesn't matter. I, I'm fascinated to know what could be in them because I'm convinced it's about the aliens and that's why he took it to sell it. I'm sorry. I'm convinced he's selling shit about the aliens, but it, it's about what Trump did after the government tried to get their documents back. That's what the case is about, right? That's not a- about it, not about whatever kind of horrific mutants or aliens or, or attack Iran plans are in the files. No, it's not about that. It's in fact, I you know I heard his former lawyer who's been all over the media. Just, Which one? Uh, Trusty? Yeah, the one no, who quit last week. No, 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 the other one. The other one? Yeah, the, uh, tapioca. D- no, 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 Giuliani. No, 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 no. Uh, Jenna Ellis. No, 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 no. There's this one guy and I can't remember his name. Uh, Ron Jeremy. Things with the P or something. Scott Bayo. No. Nope. <laughs> I'm doing my best here. I know, I know you are. Um, but anyway, so he's been all over the place. Can't shut his freaking mouth. A ethical violation as far as I, I think. Yeah. But in any event, um, he made some stupid, inane statement about how he had two years. Trump had two years to, to review these documents. Um, and the National Archives came out with a frequently asked questions sort of press release that answered all of this and said, uh, no, actually, that's not true. In fact, Donald Trump had an obligation to turn over those records before he left Correct. office. Correct. Correct. So I think that, that, you know, we're going to see, obviously, a lot of lying, like we always do, a lot of nonsense. But this is really, 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 um, to me, a straightforward case. And I, you know, what isn't is jury selection. Jury selection is going to be hard. Um, but not impossible. Not impossible. Um, I think that uh, I think that that some of the posturing that goes on ahead of time with respect to suppression of evidence, I think that Trump shot himself in the foot because uh, he did a lot of challenging of decisions to uh, issue subpoenas and to demand people testifying in various grand juries, and those things made it up to appellate courts. I have a position that, that for example, the uh, privilege, attorney-client privilege issue, that is the law of the case. That doesn't get to get challenged right. because same facts, same defendant, same charges. So, And I think that that district court is bound by the prior district court. And where does conspiracy come into play? 
Um, it's a substantial, you take a substantial act toward the furtherance of a crime. That's the general definition of, of those elements. With associates, like Walt Neruda. Right. There's an agreement, and then and then you take a substantial act towards doing the crime. Um, so you can have a conversation about it, but you need to take a step. And so he did take steps. He had a conversation with his lawyers. Right. <laughs> you know, he had a conversation with his staff. He, he, he told his staff to move boxes. He was instructing them to bring boxes to him so that he could go through them and pluck things out. He told his lawyer in the notes and in the recordings, he told his lawyer to, you know, pluck things out using a plucking motion and, yes. and, and language around that. All of those types of conversations is an attempt to establish an agreement with someone else to commit a crime. But he never said the word plucking. I'm <laughs> sorry. No, no. He's 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 a moron, but he's a smart one. He never he's so mobbed up. He never said the word plucking. He just did a with and, his fingers. And and again, lawyers are great because we all take notes. I was listening to. But uh, he didn't say pluck. He didn't say pluck. Plausible but, deniability. Oh no no no. See, because the lawyer wrote down pluck. Made a the lawyer wrote down pluck, but he never said pluck. That, however, is a statement. He could have said, don't touch anything we shouldn't touch. But when the lawyer wrote it down, <laughs> it is a statement against interest by admission by a an attorney as your agent. Okay. So it is as if he said it. Because it was his own lawyer. Yes. Yes, like Evan Corcoran. He's so stupid. Can, can I, I know. I got, can I ask? A, can I, so the whole notion that he would send this guy, Walt Neruda, to move the boxes... <sighs> Before his attorney was going to check, so his attorney wouldn't know. Look, I get it. Donald Trump probably lies to his doctor, but he lies to his lawyers as well. And they don't turn off the cameras in Mar-a-Lago. So it's all filmed. They subpoena it. They have all of it. They have the timeline. They know exactly what he did. And that's why we're hearing that somebody who on the Mar-a-Lago staff was draining a pool... And it flooded a basement storage room. I just, I mean. It is. It it's is. the my dog ate my homework of conspiracies. It is. You know, if the Hollywood writers weren't on strike, it, you couldn't write anything better. So let me ask you one more question about the Secret Service agent, because you, you were talking before about how uh, presidents tend to have their Secret Service guys they like. And when Biden came in, there was a whole new team assigned because he had senior guys from when he was in the White House that he, that he wanted. Twenty of the people Donald Trump worked with, Secret Service agents, that he, that he, many of whom he picked himself, that he wanted to come to Florida with him, they have now testified about this. And you've said you wouldn't want to place the agents at risk of inadvertently aiding and violating a court order. Um, so there's no discussing the case. Uh, but what is he looking at here? Like, is it a safe bet that every one of the Secret Service agents that Donald Trump brought with him is no longer there? If I were running the agency, if, if a reasonable person were running the agency, they would take great pains to pluck those guys out. Um, but they wouldn't say pluck. They'd say they, reassign. They'd there say reassign, and they would assign new agents, which it, it leads me to the, the, the position of, well, Donald Trump doesn't necessarily trust those guys because exactly he doesn't right. know them. And so is he going to then fire the Secret Service because he doesn't trust them, or is he going to attempt to win them over at and, and corral them. So if, if he were to hire his own, let's just say he gets his own Mercs for hire. He knows Eric Prince, you know, whatever. He can have his own private army. Ron DeSantis is trying to get one going. If he did that, would it change the bail conditions? I'm wondering if it would. I wonder if it would be a condition that 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 was substantial enough to change the bail conditions. Because, um, again, he's not in in any sort of interaction with federal law enforcement. Now, it also Jesus, because, I love this conversation. I feel great? so young talking about this. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the other thing is that um, he also is is running for office, and so. 
a lot of times, uh, although not necessarily this early, depending if there are threats or not, the Secret Service will assign protection to a candidate. Um, and so I think that, that that also is a complicating factor. But he can decline that, that, that protection. And so given his propensity to want to be surrounded by people who kiss his ass yes, um, and who love him and, and, and just give him, he is, he, is, he is the Elvis of today. He wants everything the way he wants it and he wants to be told how wonderful he is and, and not questioned. Um, and we say, look, we don't know what happened to Elvis. Um, so I think that- he's like, he's like a less healthy Elvis. <laughs> and he can't button his jacket and it drives me nuts. Mm. Um, but I, it's the one thing- That's why Elvis wore capes, by the way. The king <laughs> and, knew what he was doing. And he doesn't carry scarves. It's terrible. I mean, Elvis had better hair. Well, Elvis had a guy carry a scarf for him. That was Charlie's. <laughs> but so I think that 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 he is, is I can't imagine that he's going to like these new guys if they put new guys in. Okay, let me ask one more dumb question. I was saying earlier in the show that South Florida's federal courts are called the rocket docket mm-hmm. because they race through these things. And apparently they, they, they issue much higher than the national average of sentences. There's no reason to believe that'll be the case here, right? Are you at all concerned with... Um the special master judge somehow returning to season two of this <laughs> I miniseries. Don't, I don't know. There's some interesting things happening around that. We have a today was a magistrate who sat yesterday as he, he, this person is sitting for the entire month of June as the magistrate of the day. That's the person who gets emergency motions. That's why that magistrate ruled on the uh, media request for access to uh, the courtroom um, uh, for video cameras and whatnot. Um, but they also did this arraignment. And to me, that was strange because that magistrate is not assigned to that judge, Judge Cannon. Mm -hmm. So um, that was interesting to me. And it suggests to me that maybe there might be some behind the scenes conversations going on about maybe her her declining the case or or something going on there. Um, I, I can't say for certain. It just seemed like an odd occurrence. Um, now, it could just be scheduling, although I looked at the website and the scheduling changed. It was updated on the 12th. So it was updated very close to the date of the arraignment and um, for where this person was going to be assigned and the person who was going to be uh, who who, um, who issued the search warrant, for example, was sitting in uh, West Palm Beach and okay. he's the one that's assigned to Cannon. So it was very interesting that there were some changes that went on. Can I ask about Judge Aileen Cannon? I, I don't really understand the, the law and I, I don't always use the correct um, legalese. But um, what the fuck is up with this lady? I mean, like, like, what, what is the deal? Is she a cult member or not? the special master thing was another example, Tracy? He was buying time. It was bullshit. The special master made him very unhappy because the special master did their job. Um, a lot of liberals were acting like he's going to get to walk again because of this. You know what? What is? I mean, you've said you don't see what acting like a cult member gets. Judge Cannon. I don't. She's already got the job and she's got it for life. She owes him nothing at this point. She can give him the finger from the bench if she wanted to and it wouldn't matter. He couldn't do anything to her in in her role. Um, And she's already been smacked by the 11th Circuit. She's got some risks here. No judge wants to be overturned on appeal. No judge. No judge I've ever been in front of. I mean, they're always, always worried about it. Are and, they really? Yeah, they do. They and they will make decisions. Why do judges worry about that? It it has It'll reflect poorly on their judgment. On their judgment, um, it makes them look stupid. I guess so. Yeah. You know, and so uh, you know, there's records kept of this stuff. Not that you could lose your job necessarily over it. You know, obviously and federally, but um, if uh, so, so there's that that's going on, and then. Um, 
there are rules of ethics that actually apply to district court and circuit judges, though not the Supreme Court. Um, and <laughs> no, I just mentioned that. Um, why it's almost like there's no oversight whatsoever for the Supreme Court. None. Um, but um, she, right now in, in uh, Florida, there's a state court judge, uh, Judge Elizabeth Scherer, who um, is resigning or has resigned, but she sat on the Parkland case, uh, the Parkland shooter yeah. case. Yeah. And um, she was referred to to her, their judicial commission for uh, misconduct for being too biased towards the prosecution. So we've already got some indication that, that this stuff is looked at down there. By the way, that's, that's Florida. You can go into a school and slaughter a lot of kids, and they will sanction the judge for unethical conduct if she's too favorable to the prosecution against the guy who shot up all the kids. Go yeah, ahead. yep, yep. And and so, but but she was, and I watched that entire trial. Um, I mean, when you're hugging them, that's a problem. Um, <laughs> Fair so, enough. So, yeah. so um, but she could get referred for ethics violations. And so she's looking at the 11th Circuit possibly overturning what she's doing. And she's already been smacked by the 11th Circuit. Already been smacked pretty hard. Um, and like no reasonable judge would ever find these facts, in other words. Um, and... Then um, she's also potentially facing an ethics violation if she does some stupid things. And Good so times. I question why she would want to go to any length to do anything other than her job. Okay. Uh, I, I, I have a lot of questions about this Judge Cannon. I don't understand her. And I, I it seems like she's facing a choice of, do I want to have my name go down in history for being part of this corruption? Or am I scared of the mean tweets? Am I scared of what MAGA could do to me and my family? And it's a very real concern. We got to go. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Thea. I'm John Fugelsang. Keep it tuned to SiriusXM Progress. Peace. Peace.